Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now... And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Yes, man, I'm not sure if we're supposed to be hearing you here. Oh, wait. How's that? No, I'm still not hearing you. We're off to a flying start here on a Saturday morning. I can see Chris Schmidt in front of me. He's got the headphones on. He's at his house. He's speaking into the mic, and I have no idea what he's saying. We're Maybe gonna, it's a mute there. There. Okay. We're back. We're back. That was a rough first 60 seconds of this show, but we made it through. Kind of looked like uh, USC's second half, you know? I mean, that's just how it shook out, but we're excited to be with you this morning on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbold, Mark Cranach on assignment. And I think he's on assignment to either the pharmacy or the doctor's office. I feel awful for Cranach. He is under the weather, man. And you and I both know that there's enough garbage going around that people are dealing with, uh, you know, just the crud, right? So we're telling Mark to get better to, to uh, get some chicken noodle soup and come back at it next week. Uh, What we've got in store for you is a week's worth of uh, just whirlwind news movement and uh, ups and downs, really, if you're a Nebraska fan from uh, Monday or really a week ago uh, when we were on the air here uh, with Matt Rule making his announcement Nebraska making their announcement as he's the 31st head coach to his presser on Monday the uh, just absolute tragedy that has been the Mickey Joseph story uh, that, that came down Wednesday to Nebraska Matt Rule and his staff hitting the road and recruiting and doing a, a bang up job uh, at least in state, uh, they made their way about everywhere uh, in the metro uh, the last uh, 24 hours or so between Omaha and also Lincoln. It's it's funny. I saw on Twitter uh, with uh, Matt Rule heading over to the Gatula household and uh, posing with Gunner, of course, uh, 2023 commit for Nebraska offensive lineman out of Lincoln Southeast. And someone on Twitter's like, it's always awesome when you recruit re- when you recruit linemen that are bigger than the Christmas tree. <laughs> picture, picture a rule with with Gatula, and, and you can't see the tree. 
So it's been uh, it's been interesting, and and you have to anticipate too that Nebraska will stay on the road uh, and get out to some of the other communities today uh, around the state, and and wisely, Coach Rule's got a uh, you know a, a, a kind of a a camp deal going on tomorrow, uh, so he'll have the top prospects and kids in state. Uh, get in front of him tomorrow with kind of a a Friday Night Lights Sunday edition camp. So uh, he's not joking around with his dedication in state. He's not joking around with the phone calls he's made this week to uh, so many high school coaches. It, it's not lip service, Elijah. He he's all about that, and that's that's more of a. Uh, as you hear people say about that life, he really absolutely is with uh, development and trying to build up Nebraska football on the lines of scrimmage. And think about that week, the bit that's been for Matt Rule in terms of just whirlwind. And we sit here in the media and say, wow, it's been a whirlwind week for us. But sit back and, and look at Matt Rule where you, you walk in and now you have to deal with the, the fallout of the Mickey Joseph arrest walking into the job all while trying to, to juggle finding assistant coaches and recruiting them from across the country, bringing them in to be a part of your new staff. You still got spots to fill, so you're trying to handle that all while you're trying to re-recruit the kids that are already in the program, these kids that you want to be part of the program next year and don't want to enter the portal. You're trying to re-recruit them and juggle that situation all while doing the assistant coaches. And, oh, yeah, now recruiting's open, too, so now you got to be driving all around the state, calling high school coaches, meeting with high school coaches, meeting high schoolers, you know, recruiting, getting out across the country and recruiting, trying to build a recruiting class in the two weeks that you have to try and do so. It's We can complain, Schmitty, about whirlwind, because I don't think we're going to. These are the kind of weeks we live for. They're, they're exhausting. You get to Saturday, and you go, okay, I'm ready to, to get home from the Saturday morning show and get in a Saturday afternoon nap after the uh, the U.S. men's national team game, obviously. like I sit there and go that, but <laughs> makes me question whether I could make it as a college football coach. What a crazy week. And he's all the while posting photos at 5 a.m. saying, like, oh, yeah, we're at the stadium. Here's the national championships. We're working like it's just a crazy, crazy life. And this is the, the craziest weeks of being college football coach. Whenever you first get that new job and you got to grind because you got two and a half weeks to set up your entire future, at least uh, the future of the first year of your football program. Well, and honestly, how uh, how what kind of foot are you going to get off on? Right. Are you on the right foot or the wrong foot? And the right foot is to follow through with those words and and you're a dynamic speaker you're going to command the room but really he got off on the right foot and i know there's been a slew of kids that have hit the portal uh and and that's no good for nebraska but it's it's a reality it's an absolute reality uh in the world of college football uh and it's not just nebraska i mean iowa's lost Five kids, Nebraska, Ernest Hausman's kind of the headliner this week. But the first thing Matt Rule has done this week, Monday turned into Tuesday as the week's gone on, is meet with everybody on the team. And he's met with everybody on the team in smaller groups, but he wants feedback. What do you love about the program? What haven't you liked about the program how do we make it better for you? I, he, he's a communicator. He's a guy that can get in, in, you know, on the pulpit and command a room. But I think his biggest gift is 
is the ability to listen, process, and then put that plan into action with what he thinks is going to be best, but also getting that feedback from his kids. And, and that's already taken place. So uh, from a staff standpoint, Nebraska still needs uh, two more spots filled on the defensive side. Nebraska still needs a couple of spots filled on the offensive side. Uh, offensive line coach, defensive coordinator specifically are still looming a bit. We'll see if either get filled next week because coaches are playing in the conference championship games this weekend. Uh, if you are going to hire somebody that's not performing this weekend or part of a team, uh, you probably would have done that already, I, I would think. And this might be a good time to bring up the the fact that Something we talked about earlier this week is, I, th- I think, trending in that direction that Raiola could be returning as the offensive line coach uh, for the Huskers next season. And I know fans may roll their eyes at that, but what I'm hearing, and let's throw this out there real quick, it's not like I got any sources close to Matt Rule right now that are feeding me information about the assistant coaches, but word on the street is it could be Raiola is one of the only assistant coaches or the only assistant coach held over from the previous staff because he hasn't yet cleaned out his office, so... Unsure what that means. Sounds like he could still have his office down at the stadium, though. So something to fall there. Sounds like we could be trending, though, towards uh, Donovan Ryla being the one assistant coach that gets held over from the previous staff. And as we talked about earlier this week, it's because he fits that mold of what Matt Rule is looking for with assistant coaches. And I could be wrong. I'm not going to burn the tape. I'll stand by this because, I mean, maybe someday, Schmitty, we'll, we'll have some, uh, some sources close to Matt Rule that can uh, let us know what's going on. I don't know. But... Uh, from what it sounds like right now, he he could be held over because he does fit that mold of young and hungry and ready to prove himself. And whenever you look around the entire Matt Rule staff, I mean, Terrence Knighton's a guy that former NFL guy, former assistant um, coach, not uh, within like the the whole position group to himself. He didn't have the entire D line, but he was an assistant D line coach, similar to how Donovan was a, an assistant offensive line coach in the NFL. They're bringing him back down to college. It, it just seems like he does fit that mold of what Matt Rule's looking for. And with Donovan Rule, the question is, I think, was the offensive line improving last season, which I, I believe it was, and, and what was the talent like before he got there? What did he have to work with? Those are the things you have to ask yourself, and I'm sure those are the things Matt Rule's doing the legwork on right now, trying to de- to determine with, with Donovan Ryla, because you, you don't want to hold over a lemon. You don't want to hold over a lemon. You don't, you don't want to let the previous coaching staff, quote-unquote, sell you a lemon, I guess. You don't want to be stuck with the guy that is not the young and hungry coach that you think he is, but I think that's the direction we're trending in right now, and I'll be honest with you, from a, an Amateur offensive linemen's eyes, I do think that offensive line got better as the season went on last year. It was rough at a lot of times. The the running game, you needed a lot of work as the year went on, and it never quite got its feet underneath it. But the pass protection from the offensive line did get better as the season went on. And look at the juggernaut pass rushes that they were facing as the, the year went on with. Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, all, all three of those teams have a really, really good pass rush. And through those three games, I think Nebraska did pretty well. The, the second half against Michigan uh, was probably the, the worst performance of those three games, but against Wisconsin, against Iowa, that offensive line performed admirably in pass protection based on what we had seen. It was not a perfect game from that offensive line, but I do think we saw some strides, and I'm sure that's something Matt Rule's evaluating this week as he's trying to, to finish out his assistant coaching staff. To your point on the offensive line, they, as the season went on, their, their problem wasn't all right, are you giving the quarterback enough time? Uh, I mean, and listen, uh, against Minnesota, uh, pre 
injury for for Chuba. I mean, he got he got chased a lot. Okay, your 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 offensive problem was triple fold, right? I mean, it was quarterback play beyond Casey. You had an anemic offense beyond Casey. You have a running game that wasn't emphasized. And I just don't know that dynamic was ever going to work between Whipple and Riola because Whip wants to throw the football a hundred times. And you tell me this, the, the offensive line group that Nebraska has, if they got down and dirty about it uh, and wanted to set the tone and, and start off as a run team, uh, like they did uh, against Illinois, that opening drive. Uh, check it. Uh, the week after Illinois was who? Minnesota. Is that right? Mm-hmm. The opening, the, like the wow, where, where was that? You know, it was like, oh God, what's going to happen with the offense? But that opening drive with Pretty, where they go up seven nothing, as good of a drive, drive as you've seen as a Nebraska fan, where they went double tight. They didn't stay in double tight very long. Right. Uh, you, it was real easy to abandon the run game. It was real easy to throw your clipboard or chuck your headset if you're Whipple because Grant seeing ghost and not, not pressing the hole and, and, and taking on contact. He's always trying to bounce outside. Eventually, they went to, to Ramir in the second half of the Iowa game just because Grant was dancing so much. And, and listen, I think Grant's a tremendous back, and, and he was just frustrated. Nebraska could never run the football. Uh, when they had to, right? And when it comes to third and eight and the running game isn't working, is there an offensive line that's going to be able to withstand the obvious? All right, everyone's pinning their ears back. Here comes the blitz package. Let's get home with four. You know what's coming. Nebraska's going to throw the football with a second or third team quarterback Mm -hmm. until Casey got back. So I think a lot of offensive lines would look bad. You know, I I – was hearing yesterday that that Nebraska was moving on from Riola. Okay, um, so I I just I just don't know. I just don't know. I but when it comes to the NFL and and guys like Pot Roast or guys around the league, Rule is going to be able to find out real easy uh, with what others have said about Riola, his potential, his ability, uh, just because he was with the Bears as long as he was. Uh, and I know that there's been, uh, you know, an extensive meeting. There had been an extensive meeting with Rayola and and Rule this week. So he he wasn't ready to just punt the guy because you're not one of us. Uh, there was some time and evaluation put in. And let's make one thing clear. I'm not trying to sit here on a Saturday morning and tell you that, well, everyone says the offensive line was bad last year, and they were. I think they were pretty good. No, it's it's not that. I still think the offensive line was pretty bad last season. Um, kind of giving you, give, kind of giving you the the elements of why. On top yes. of their own performance, there's other things that that really um, piled on an already difficult situation. In, I mean, from injuries, suspensions of of Newelli, um, the fact that. I mean, you, you get better at doing things on a football field, and what Nebraska did a lot was throw the ball last season. And where I saw improvement with the offensive line was throwing the football. And if you committed to running the football, would there be more on tape that could be teaching moments for, for Coach Riola in order to, to develop the run game more? Maybe. I don't know if we'll ever know that because that wasn't a part of Whipple ball. But I, I, all I'm saying is I don't think it would be the, the worst decision in the world if you were to keep on Riola. And I don't think that it would either be um, – 
just because he couldn't find anyone else. I don't think it's because Ryola is, uh, you know, close to his nephew and they're trying to do a recruiting job on Dylan Ryola. I don't think it's any of that. I, I do think there is some some respect and admiration for, for Coach Ryola, and I don't think it's unfounded. Uh, I, I just think Coach Ryola was put in a very tough spot last season with what he had on the offensive line with, what they were trying to do, changing offensive linemen's bodies through the uh, the offseason last year. I think he was put behind the eight ball with the offensive line last season. I, I do think, as I said before, that there was some improvement in the question moving forward has got to be, well, is this a guy that, you know what, is trying to get his feet wet in college football and got thrown into a really, really tough situation in his first season, and we think there's still room for improvement? Or are we thinking that, you know what, a, a really good offensive line coach could have done more? I don't know if we'll ever know, but that's some of the things that have to be going through Coach Rule's head right now of, you know what, what did you see from from Coach Rowell in his first year? Because you expect improvement in a position group throughout throughout a year. Um and I think we saw that with the offense line. The question was, was there enough improvement for you to say, you know what, I think Coach Royola did all he could with that offensive line. That's Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. It's the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up this hour in the Rewind, we had a chance to sit down and spend some time with NFL Hall of Famer and uh, an early influence on Coach Rule. Uh, Dick Vermeil joined us. So we'll hear some of that this hour. Also get some thoughts uh, on, uh, well, you'll hear the interview from Thursday. That was Jim Rome and Matt Rule. So Matt Rule's made some of the national uh, sit-downs, be it uh, Rich Eisen or Jim Rome, uh, the NFL Network, two weeks ago, you know, stating that I got to get back into coaching. Uh, and then, of course, game day uh, one week ago. So uh, Nebraska is getting a national platform and spotlight with their coach who's, uh, you know, very, very comfortable uh, in the interview settings. Uh, the other news this week was was Mickey Joseph. As he was arrested on Wednesday uh, as he spent uh, the night in jail for domestic dispute. Uh, there has been just god-awful rumors floating around uh, in the wake of what happened versus what your neighbors, your neighbors, friends, cousins, best friends, dog told you. I mean, it's it's terrible. And you've got a guy, Mickey Joseph, that was so good at, at leading men this year in tough circumstances. You have some horrible accusations and uh, the... Uh, Incident report is disgusting. Uh, there is, uh, you know, innocent till proven guilty in this country, which we all believe. But uh, right now he is on uh, leave with the university per Trev Alberts. And you go from the moment where, okay, here's Matt Rule. Uh, you would like to think there's a, an offer to stay in Lincoln from Matt Rule to Mickey Joseph. I believe that was possibly very, very likely. I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I think if Mickey would not have gotten a head job, say at Tulsa or somewhere else, I think absolutely Mickey Joseph's on staff here under Matt Rule. Now moving forward, the future's up in the air because of these charges. And uh, moving forward that way, the domino here uh, from a football standpoint is all the kids Mickey connected with in the recruiting world for 2023. And uh, you have to go back and, and try and mend some of those fences. And in the grand scheme, as big of a football fan as you are, 
the commitment or decommitment of a kid that that it really connected with Mickey Joseph isn't important in comparison to Mickey and what he's going through right now and the uh, situation he put himself in if these charges are true. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, this context is what I'm trying to tell you. And I think the, the the place you keep coming back to as a Husker fan this week is from all the the work that Mickey Joseph did on the field this year. You hope these accusations aren't true because of how well respected he became throughout the course of the season. It just flies in the face of that, and you, you hope it isn't the end of his coaching career. But also, you sit back and go, you know what? I hope justice is served in this situation. If the accusations are true, you don't think he can ever get back on a, a college football field again. So it's no. it's this weird, you know, trying to, to, to reconcile what you thought you knew about Mickey Joseph with what you've heard and what you've learned this week about what was actually going on behind the scenes allegedly. And it's it's been such a, a tough situation. But getting back to football here, as you said, the, the, the recruiting aspect of things here is just um, – it's – it's while I agree with you, it pales in comparison. It's put Matt rule in a very tough spot. And I think that was the, the main appeal with Mickey Joseph and bringing him back was look how great a recruiter is. Look, look what he's done on the recruiting trail. Now you got kids that have been blindsided by this news. I mean, th- these are kids that have become very close with Mickey Joseph as well throughout the, the past couple of months. And I'm sure they're just as blindsided now. Like, do, do they even want to think about being recruited right now after someone that they trusted and someone that they, you know, committed the next four years of their life to has gone and, and, and blindsided them with this news and this arrest. And it's uh, it's it's a tough spot for them, and it's a, a tough spot for the coaching staff, too, now having to go back and, and reevaluate your talent and go look at these guys. And uh, Whirlwind week as we, we let off the show, Schmitty. It's just there's so many different moving parts with Husker football right now, and it's such a, a volatile and important time for just the, the long-term success of the program. And I mean, we, we before the hire talked about how important these two weeks would be in terms of recruiting, in terms of re-recruiting your roster for transfer portal purposes, and then going and hitting the portal trying to fill in some holes. Like you're making or breaking your next season with the next two weeks, with with what is done, both keeping players around it and adding in new talent. I mean, and we saw last season there's going to be some attrition and some additions post spring ball as well. But this is such a, a vital time for Matt Rule and what he's trying to build that this news about Mickey Joseph and and how it's shaken up the the recruiting for Nebraska is just such a, a a tough spot for I guess not only Matt Rule but the staff and the team as well as it's it's complicated so many things that that you thought you knew that are now changing and I, I, it's not the the conversations I was expecting to have whenever we started this week because we started off Monday with excitement with hope with it's a new era for Husker football, and then it almost felt like it all came crashing down on Wednesday with just how shocking that news was. And and it, it kind of feels the same way for the recruiting class as well, just because, I mean, I want to make it clear that you and I, Schmitty, both understand that that some things in life are more important than football. And uh, the, the, the arrest of Mickey Joseph is one of those things that, uh, you know, off the field right there is, is so much more important than what Mickey Joseph brings on the field because – uh, you expected somebody who was stand up in the community from what you saw on the football field, and you, you found out that wasn't true. But it, it's a vital time for Matt Rule and his coaching staff right now. And I've said that a couple times, but it's it's how do I want to put this? It, it's I don't know. I kind of lost train. It's I lost my train of thought, Schmitty. It's seven thirty in the morning. You know how it goes. No, you're, you're good. <laughs> uh, it's it's important to have perspective. Yes, right. And uh, Nebraska's perspective is limit damage uh, within the locker room portal-wise 
Ernest Houseman gone. Jaden uh, Daniels gone. Not Daniels. Gould. Um, Gould, thank you. Gone. Uh, you have uh, another handful of guys on their way out. And then in-state, who do you flip or retain or get back in the boat with Malachi Coleman? You know, you have Zane Flores, Maverick Noonan, Benny Nagoy, Gunnar Gatula, Benjamin Brommer. I mean, those are all priorities. You know that Flores is solid with Oklahoma State. You know, Cade McIntyre's going elsewhere, but maybe you can flip Nagoy from Iowa State. You've got Maverick Noonan. He was a 7 a.m., 7.30 visit yesterday by Nebraska staff. Malachi got him in the home. And uh, you have Ben Brommer that uh, is a stud from Pierce. And then you have other prospects, the Hyannis kid that we've talked to Brady Altman about. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be in his house today. <laughs> uh, Clemson, uh, I mean, you've got Penn State, I should say, not Clemson, but Penn State, Notre Dame are going heavy um, after the uh, the Hyannis prospect. So we'll take a quick time out. We'll rewind it with Dick Vermeil as uh, he has had uh, quite a bit of uh, input with Matt Rule in his career, early in his coaching career, and one of those mentors and relationships you, you want to hear about. It's really a cool backstory with uh, Vermeil and, uh, of course, his ties, too, with all the years he covered Nebraska, working with Musburger, and then coaching Grant Wistrom and uh, winning a Super Bowl with the Rams. So a lot of Nebraska flavor with uh, Dick Vermeil, NFL Hall of Famer. Next weekend edition of Hale Varsity continues, presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Now it's time to get back to the Hale Varsity Radio Show with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. All right, that's it! You two guys leave me no choice. No television for a week. What? Back into it, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Let's find out more about Nebraska's new head football coach, Matt Rule. And uh, pleased to be joined by Hall of Fame coach, uh, the NFL, Dick Vermeil, a Super Bowl champ with the Rams, a Super Bowl appearance with Philly, and uh, a great run in Kansas City. Coach Vermeil, a uh, pleasure to speak with you again. How's your day? I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about Matt Rule. I'm a big fan of his. Well, Coach, uh, let's let's start with uh, when you first met Coach Rule and, and your guys' coaching relationship. When did that start? I met him when he was the head coach at Temple, and I used to go to one or two practices a year because a very personal friend of mine was on the board at Temple University, and we would go watch him practice. And uh, I was always impressed with the job that he was doing coaching. And then when he goes on to Baylor and did what he did there, it, it impressed me even more. Coach, I, I think I read somewhere, maybe with The Athletic, that early in his time at Temple, 
you had reached out to, to Coach Rule and given him some advice after a tough start to his tenure there? Well, I probably did. You know, I, I live here in the Philadelphia area, and I respect the school. I have friends on the board there, and uh, I'd like them to be successful. It would be great for the school. And when that got him going, it proved how successful and what kind of a contribution a good football program could make to the school. You know, can they beat Penn State? They almost beat Notre Dame, and the school was on fire. So uh, Matt did a beautiful job. Really fast, Coach. Can you speak on just how difficult it is to go win at a place like Temple? You've heard that a lot from people around the country, that what was really impressive about Matt Rowell is not how quickly he built Temple, but the fact that it was Temple. Can you speak on that for a second, just what kind of job it is to go rebuild a school like Temple? Well, first off, it's a great university academically. Mm -hmm. The the problems are they don't have the same facilities of most of the schools they compete against, and that negatively influences young kids making the decision where they're going to go to school. So they have to do an extra extra fine job of recruiting, selling the football program and the academics, and not so much the facilities, and back it with performance on the practice field, providing great structure and discipline and tempo. And Matt Rule did all of that when he was here at Temple because I watched him do it. Tell me a little bit about Coach Rule's coaching style. Dick Vermeil is with us. What stands out? You've seen a lot of coaches. You've competed and coached against some of the greats. And and how does his style and his methodology and philosophy, how has he been able to, to, to turn that into winning? I mean, his, his personality. Tell me what makes him such a high-level guy, aside from the wins that, that's been proven in his past stops. Well, I thought he always had great structure, a deep philosophy of how to coach, communicate, teach, how to hire, how to lead. And uh, I think there was always a little air of toughness about him. I think, you know, in office, obviously I think he inherited a few great qualities from Bill Parcells at the time he spent with him. And uh, those kinds of things. Uh, I was just impressed with his overall leadership combined with all the other aspects it takes to be a head football coach, and especially at Temple. And then when he went on to Baylor and did what he did there, I said, you know, I'm right about this guy. He can coach. <laughs> you, you look at, at some of those traits, and, and toughness is something he preached at Temple. He preached it at Baylor, and he preached it at the opening press conference. And tell me about his fit with Nebraska, you know the Nebraska program pretty well from covering it with uh, ABC, make, yeah, with ABC and, and CBS. Well, you know Nebraska's a great school, a great athletic program with great facilities and great leadership on campus. And I, you know, I I really felt your last head coach that they just fired was going to be extremely successful there. I really did because I really enjoyed watching his. Florida team play, and, and you know, the one year they were the only undefeated team in college football or, or big-time football, and, uh, you know, and it didn't work out. And, and sometimes things just don't go as well as you'd like them to go, and sometimes it's not coach's fault. You know, and Nebraska's changed over the years. You know, I can remember going there uh, and, and watch practices. They, they had so many kids on the field, all the, uh, the walk-on kids and a lot of them ended up being good football players. Now there's limitations to those kinds of things. 
And there's also more football programs today with unbelievable facilities and emphasis on winning than in the old days. You know, uh, there are so many schools that make it tougher for you to be as good as you used to be because the environment's changed. And uh, so it, I think it's a tougher job today than it used to be. And, of course, we all know why it was so successful with the coach there. And then, uh, gosh darn it, uh, I think Matt will have a challenge. But uh, as I said, I think he'll get it done. And, of course, I thought the, the young coach that they left there, I remember a broadcasting game when he was playing quarterback in Nebraska. So, uh, you know, it's it's not as, let's say, easy as it used to be. That's all. It's a little tougher. And the evaluation process is a lot tougher. Well, Coach, you mentioned Scott Frost, and one of the things that, that people kept on coming back to, at least around the state, was the fact that it never quite seemed like his scheme matched up with what the rest of the Big Ten wanted to do and how you really win in the Big Ten. So I want to get your take on Matt Rule and his scheme and and just how that adjusts to the Big Ten. Do you think there is something to that, the fact that you have to play football a little bit differently in the Big Ten Conference? Well, you know, never having coached in the Big Ten, having coached college ball against the Big Ten, there was always a little difference between Big Ten football uh, than, uh, say, the West Coast football where I was. You know, the passing game was a bit more of an emphasis in college football on the West Coast than it was in the Big Ten at that time. And, you know, the Big Ten conference is tough. <laughs> it's just a tough, and you've got to be good every weekend. And, you know, sometimes you're as good as a team that you're playing, but you lost two players due to injury and don't have anybody to replace them this week, so you're not as good a football team. It still takes good football players to win. Yes, they have to be coached and coached to the standard of the rest of the schools coaching the Big Ten, but some schools like Ohio State, you know, and Michigan, they're going to have more players game in and game out than most of their opponents within the Big Ten, you know, and that's just how it's going to be. So you can't be just as good a football coach. you got to find a way to be better, and that's difficult. A few minutes here, Dick Vermeil with us here on Hale Varsity Radio Hall of Fame. Coach with the Rams, Eagles, and Chiefs NFL inductee. Uh, got that gold jacket over the summer and a Super Bowl champ. Coach Vermeil, tell me what your philosophy was when it came to finding assistance and hiring. Uh, Matt Rule did a great job of hiring at Baylor. He's finishing out his staff now at Nebraska, and it's a lot of the same folks that helped him win at Temple. There's also a Baylor connection and maybe some Carolina connection. But uh, you've, you've had to do it. Uh, you've had to bring people in to work with you and work for you. Uh, what are some key traits you need with guys uh, on that football staff? Well, in, in college football, I think it's slightly different than it is in pro football. You need some real fine technical football coaches on every staff. But on the college staff, you also need some real great recruiters. And some guys are just better at it than others. And uh, I, I remember Pepper Rogers telling me a long time ago, and I thought he was a good coach and a real character, real football personality. And he said to me, you know, I only need a few real coaches. What I need is a lot of recruiters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 Nebraska – 
is just it's a, a great football state. But you can't lose a great player in Nebraska to Ohio State or to Michigan or to Iowa or to Wisconsin and still be a successful program because you can't get everybody out of Southern California or other states that have great play players to come to Nebraska anymore. Everybody's done such an intense job in recruiting these kids and showing off the facilities. No, I haven't been to Nebraska in a long time, but I know they have good facilities. Yeah, you know, I was at Clemson two weeks ago to watch them play and see their football program and their facilities. They're second to nobody's. I mean, it is absolutely unbelievable facilities and a major factor in recruiting positively. So, uh, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Nebraska. It's going to be tough because they've got to beat, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, who are consistently going to be deeper and, and maybe have a few more what you call really blue-chip players. And, uh, but if there's anybody can do it, like I thought Scott could do it, I really did. And I still believe he's a fine football coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Matt Rowe has a little more exposure now. He's been in the NFL. I guarantee you he learned a lot about coaching football in the NFL, okay, because there's no such thing as a bad team. <laughs> yeah. or no such light schedule or anything like that. Everybody's good. Everybody has good players similar to, in a way, the Big Ten is. But uh, I, I think Matt uh, could add a degree of uh, scheme, things he learned uh, in the NFL from the other great coaches. You know, all, all coaches steal from the other guy. It's a copycat game. You know? And uh, I think he'll add that. And there's no substitute for his wisdom and experience. And, you know, he'll – do some things better than he did him in Carolina because he recognized it didn't work in Carolina. Then he'll find a better way to do it. And he'll go back to some of the things he's done in Bayer that were extremely successful that will help him there that may be not as effective in Carolina. You know, so I'm, I'm anxious. I'm interested, very interested in seeing how it goes. But it'll take some time. It'll take some time. Coach Dick Vermeil's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska's hire of Matt Rule. And, Coach, you talked about learning lessons from the NFL. And I'm going to turn this back to your career just briefly as whenever Matt Rule took the stage on Monday and, and with his introductory press conference, he really captured the room. Seems like he's a very gifted communicator. And uh, part of that seems like it stems from his father, who was a, a minister. And uh, he really seems like a minister when he's up there. But he captured the room. And I want to ask you. You're a guy who took a, a hiatus from your coaching career in order to get into broadcasting and learn the ropes of communication a little bit. So I, I want to get your take on just the importance of effective communication as, as a head coach. How can it help you? Or I guess on the flip side, how can it hurt you? What, what did you learn from your broadcasting career and taking it back into coaching? Well, what, the number one thing I learned, because I was on everybody else's practice field, including Nebraska's at, at Ghost Niners at Kansas State, Tom Coughlin at Boston College, the great coaches, you know, all around the, the Big Ten, all around the United States. I learned from watching them practice, you know. And nobody read about a football practice than they did at Nebraska in those days, you know. But you, you learn, and you, you talk to coaches, you talk to people, and you say to yourself, you know, I think these things I was doing when I was coaching are better than this, but there's a lot of things they're doing here that was better than the way I was doing it. So uh, the more experience you have, the more opportunities you have to grow. As long as ego doesn't get involved, you always got to say, uh, it's my way or the highway, uh, and I'm the only one who knows how to do it. You know? 
take that attitude, you're going to get beat. I learned so much from coaches that, I, that were great coaches just by watching them in the NFL as well. So uh, I think uh, Matt will bring some of that NFL experience to him because he coached against the great coaches. And I'm sure he learned a lot, a lot of to-dos and a lot of not-to-dos. He always do. Dick Vermeil's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, Hall of Fame coach. Coach, going to switch it to, to one of our favorites. We love having him on and, and getting a chance to see him, Grant Wistrom. Uh, you drafted Grant. You guys went to Super Bowls. You won a Super Bowl. You're one of his favorites, absolutely. He was smiling when we talked to him with your Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame induction. And Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Grant. Well, you know, I had the opportunity to broadcast a number of Nebraska games all through his career with Brent Musburger. And I just admired how he played the game. And I recognized when I had an opportunity later in my pro coming back into pro football, I, you know, I like building a football team with deep character. And now it has to be backed by talent. But there was no question in my mind in my second year there in the draft that I was going to draft Grant Wisdom if somebody didn't before me because I wanted him to be an integral part of rebuilding because he's in a, he's a guy that can affect, infect your other players with his, just by his example, let alone his ability to play. He was a little bit undersized, but it didn't matter to me. And I passed up couple guys that are going in the NFL Hall of Fame to draft him because I believe so much in him. And uh, I say to myself today, I made a hell of a good decision. I, I wouldn't trade him for anybody because his contribution would go deeper than just how he played the game. It's how he practiced, how he came to meeting rooms, how he, yeah, his own temperament. And how bright he was as well. So I know I love the guy. I just... He's one of my all-time favorite guys. Dick Vermeil, Hall of Famer, with his thoughts on uh, his relationship with Matt Rule and uh, his time with Grant Wistrom. Coach, it was awesome to, to spend time with you. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. All right. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, 
Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. As we're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel, and uh, we're streaming this morning as well on a couple of different platforms. ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, and you're invited to follow along as well on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. You can catch the show uh, in, its all, uh, in all its streaming glory Monday through Saturday there, but also uh, uh, Coffee and Cream uh, with Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. Uh, it's been a great week for those guys. Awesome to have them part of the family. Uh, a staple uh, on Saturdays and throughout the week is Brandon Vogel, managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get the holiday uh, hookup for sure can do so by logging on hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Enter the promo code GBR and save 10 bucks on that subscription. Uh, in honor of Caleb Williams, I do believe Brandon Vogel has uh, GBR painted on his nails this morning. Either that or some sort of negative message towards the Netherlands today. Uh, with uh, World Cup action, Vogues. Good morning. How are we doing? Uh, I'm doing well. My my, I'm I'm not that fluent in Dutch, so I looked up some things that would fit <laughs> on on eight eight spaces and decided I don't know if I can trust this Google translation. So I just went with Go Go USA. Well, Dutch, right. Dutch is an interesting language. That's 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 good. I, love I loved Go Go USA, but Dutch is one of those interesting languages. I went to uh, to South Africa. Um, this was after my senior year of high school, and they speak this weird mix of, it's like the native tongue mixed with Dutch, mixed with English, and like, you hear people speak in Dutch, and you think you're having a stroke. Like, it sounds similar <laughs> to English enough that you're like, what is this person saying? And then you realize you can't understand a thing that they're saying like, at all, and it's, it's just one of those languages that... It, it was throwing me for a loop whenever I was in South Africa. I, I thought I could understand what this person was saying, and then you realize, no, this is a completely foreign language that just kind of sounds like English. Yeah, it's one that's even like, you know, it, you kind of accumulate enough like working knowledge of Spanish, French, maybe German to like look at something and be like, ah, maybe I can take a crack at pronouncing that. But Dutch, uh, not so much, at least for me. Brandon Vogel is with us, and Vogues, let's keep with the translation theme. Uh, how would you uh, translate week one in the Matt Rule era? Pretty, uh, well, it, it got thrown for a loop in the middle of the week, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I think that who knows where some of these coaching discussions would have been um, if, if things had got a little bit more normally. But, you know, I thought they kept a pretty – smart and contained recruiting strategy like you don't have a choice when when that period opens back up and and they largely stuck local so they're able to get the coaches that they were uh good with in and and that helped and you know i think putting a focus first on not the not even the 500 mile radius at this point kind of the 50 mile radius around lincoln was probably the way to go 
Brandon Vogel's with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Vogels, we had a, a Twitter poll up yesterday. I want to pose the same question to you, and that's how important is it to you uh, over these next couple weeks that Matt Rule secures a recommitment from Malachi Coleman? Because there, there's two places I can go with this. First is is on the field where, you know what, Malachi seems to fit that mold of what Matt Rule's looking for to a T, where they, they have traits that makes them supremely gifted athletes. They're trying to mold him into a football player. And with Malachi's frame and, and track speed, he seems to fit that mold well. But then also you have the, the factor of that 500-mile radius and, and keeping the local kids home. Um, but then you also go the other side of of what I talked about yesterday, opportunity cost with the amount of time that's going to be spent recruiting Malachi. You could be spending recruiting other guys or you know going to the transfer portal. So how important is it to you that, that Matt Rule secures that recommitment? Um, I, I mean, I think... It would be it would be a nice jolt right at the start if you were able to do that. Um, that said, you know we've seen with with Malachi Coleman's timeline, and he's been fairly open about this the entire process. Like he was really tied to 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 Mickey Joseph, and that's you know a credit to the job Mickey Joseph did recruiting him. Uh, and if that's just going to be the deal breaker, that might that might be reality. So I think you're right. The opportunity cost of this comes into play here not just with him but really anybody who's in the class and maybe wavering at this point like you make your pitch uh you follow up on it and if by early signing you know it looks like you're still in for for a kind of a dogfight for a player or two you got to start considering your options so i don't think it's as damaging you know as it would be to to lose a player in state of that stature i mean we've seen that play out you know a handful of times at nebraska where you don't have a lot of players of that caliber come come around every year though it seems to be more and more um as nebraska high school football i think improves and landing those guys becomes vitally important i think you get a little bit of a pass in the the first recruiting cycle i mean personally whether it's staff the existing roster or commits even i kind of view it as you've got nothing like there's there's no guarantees assume nobody is coming back and that way when some people do uh it feels like a little bit of a a positive surprise brandon vogel is with us and yeah there is transition and there'll be attrition with transition could be recruiting class because of how many of the the kids that have decommitted to your point were, were so close with Mickey Joseph, and then even within Nebraska's own roster with the portal opening up, you can gain in the portal. Nebraska did that at a high level with some key offensive spots last last winter. Casey Thompson, uh, Grant, uh, of course, Palmer. But now you have kind of a, a guy that folks were excited to see and, and still may get to. It's not done, but Bogues, I want your reaction to, to the Ernest Houseman announcement this week because, I mean, that was something that I, I guess isn't that shocking uh, with really uh, the, the, the the staff transition, how close you would assume Ernest is with with Coach Rude and, and shifts happening on the staff. But, man, the way that kid performed and the way, quite honestly, a thin linebacker room performed – I mean, Rudy, Rudy needs to be commended for the, for the job. And, man, those backers were playing great ball to, to end the season. Yeah, they were. And, you know, super impressive year from, from Hausman, you know, coming from Columbus. It's a big jump for anybody to 
get inserted to the little linebacker spot in the Big Ten as a true freshman, and I think even more so the case with him. And, you know, it, it did come as a surprise even understanding, even though I just said, like, my base setting is assumed nobody is is coming back. Um, that one did did surprise me. You know, Ernest seemed like somebody who, who was really bought in to – to Nebraska and what they were about and getting better and continuing to, to, to help them build in the future. And, and maybe that's, you know, still how this, this plays out, but it, it did come as a bit of a surprise for me. And that's, he's going to be a really, really good player. I think everybody saw that um, he's got kind of unique measurables for, for a linebacker. And I expect demand to be pretty high for him based on the season he had. Brandon, two-part question here to follow up on that. First, that, that Ernest Houseman into the portal, does that confirm to you that, that Coach Root is not going to be back next season? And then to follow up on that, we, we spent Thursday talking a little about Phil Snow. Does that also open up the possibility of a guy like Glenn Sherman down at Georgia? Yeah, it, it, it could. Um, you know, we talked on Thursday about Snow, and at that point I was kind of like, well, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't joined the staff yet, which which gives you a little bit of pause. And the longer that goes, I think the the longer amount of pause you need to take with that. So we'll see if if Nebraska ends up going a, a different direction at, at defensive coordinator. I, it's starting to feel a little bit more likely uh, that that's the case there. And, you know, until you get that person in for any of these, you know, recruits or even current defensive players, it becomes a, a little bit hard to to know exactly what you're looking at. And, you know, the fact that Hausman was one of the first, I think, three names we heard of uh, at Nebraska in the portal, you know, did seem an indication to me that his position coach probably wasn't coming back. Vogues, let's spend a minute here on how things are going with, with Matt Rule. And it, it's been a week with – uh, you know, uh, a week ago today, he's on game day uh, making his announcement. You have the Monday presser. You have the Mickey News on Wednesday. You have the uh, the in-state uh, visits where everybody and anybody on staff is all over the, the metro regions. And, and he started off Tuesday making phone calls to all the high school coaches. So that, that Baylor plan of introduction has been followed up with, you would assume, here in, in Lincoln. But, uh, he, I mean, his, his vision is to coach you hard, to develop you, uh, to get that speed and explosiveness as a reality, and then share that with you. He'll communicate, but I really like the fact that he's, you know, listened to the team. He's brought the, everyone together uh, from the team and what do you like about the program? What don't you like? How do we go the direction you want getting input? But ultimately, whether you're in the locker room or you're in the living room, he's going to share his vision with you and ask you if it's for you. Do you think his his vision, as, as we understand it, as we've heard talking points from him, do you think that's going to connect and resonate with some of the kids? And I, I know that's a case-by-case basis, but overall, what he's saying, do you think it sounds good to a high school senior-to-be or a junior-to-be in college football or in the high school ranks? Yeah, I mean, the, the timeline has been so compressed, and it's not like, you know, Rule didn't have time to consider, like, well, if I took this job, you know, what 
what are those pitches going to be? He definitely did. Um, but, you know, the pitch probably isn't as strong as it might be two, three weeks from now or even four weeks from now. You know, it gets interesting, I think, because we saw at Baylor and, you know, it's been kind of well covered at this point, <laughs> the state that class was in when he took over there. Well, now you've got – so you're going to try and get as much done as you can for early signing, of course, but – with how this staff has recruited and the type of players they looked at, you know, they really made some hay with players who were a little bit overlooked. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, you'll have this late signing period too, to see what's, what's available in that. But the, the really big thing, it becomes the, the transfer portal, I think. And, and maybe not, I mean, we'll see when it officially opens uh, next week um, to see see how they attack that. You know, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to juggle getting your rec- recruiting infrastructure up and running the way you want it to while also assessing the portal. So that kind of becomes the next big question for me. And, you know, in terms of immediate impact on 2023, that might be the bigger one. How does that, how does that pitch land with potential transfers? Guys who might be a little further along in their career and more likely to contribute right away. Yeah, folks, next three weeks are, are going to be pretty crucial in terms of what this team looks like in 2023. But to, to zoom out, how important is this next three weeks in terms of the, the ground, the grand uh, foundation building for what Matt Rule's trying to do at Nebraska? Is this something where, you know, you can clean up some mistakes later, or is this a, a pretty important three weeks in your opinion? It's it's pretty important. I would say I don't know if you need to have the the entire foundation down in the next three weeks, but you'd like to you'd like to be happy with your progress. So get a sense for who's definitely in the class, who's looking elsewhere and probably isn't going to stay. See what you're able to find in the transfer portal, and you know they've already made a couple of of, of offers for FCS transfers. Um, that'll be an interesting component of this, and there's just going to be a lot of change between now and, and basically Christmas. I mean, the, the early signing period, I think ends on the 23rd this year. And at that point, I think you'll be, if things go well, you'll hope you can be able to step back and be like, okay, this looks like the core of our team. Uh, you'll have a better sense exactly of what immediate needs you have. And then you'll still have some time to address that via the late signing period. And then of course the, the portal continues. Vogue's going to switch up, get your take on Nebraska volleyball moving forward. Uh, hard fought last night, 3-1 to one over Kansas. And uh, let's talk momentum and, and the shape Cook and company are in moving forward in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, kind of gutted one out there against against Kansas. Um, credit to the to the Jayhawks for, for making things tough. And, you know, I think through, through the Delaware State match and then Kansas – Last night, you could see Nebraska still kind of working through some some things post the loss of, of Kenzie Knuckles. Uh, getting Nicklin Haynes back was was important. I thought her connection with Caitlin Horde last night really kind of showed up, and you, you saw the value of of having a Haynes available. So it's going to be you know a little bit, I think, of a, a white knuckle ride for for Nebraska throughout this tournament as as long as it lasts. I mean, right now they're they're looking at playing the winner of Oregon. Arkansas, Oregon's the three seed in in that bracket. Um, so you could be getting as good a possible team as as you've seen. And well, I mean, even if Arkansas comes through, the SEC is having a pretty strong year. 
Uh, that was the case prior to the tournament and then got some key wins in the tournament already. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but you're through to the next week and you get the chance to keep getting a little bit better. Um, I think, I think that's the big thing, you know, with the injuries Nebraska has dealt with Coke really structures these seasons to be playing your best volleyball at this very moment. I don't know if we can say that about Nebraska, but they get they get the chance to continue to try and build towards that going into next week, and they'll they'll have an extra day rest on on whoever they play. Vokes, who's uh, the most important player on that team moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? If the, the Huskers want to keep their hopes alive, it's it's a tough road. You look ahead, and you don't want to look too far ahead, but you look ahead to Louisville looming on the horizon, and and with just all that in mind, who do you think the most important player on this volleyball team right now is? Might be, you know, it might be a familiar face, somebody who's played a lot of volleyball for Nebraska, but I I immediately look towards Maddie Kubik. Um, she's a six-rotation player. Uh, whoever is in that back row, th- their ability to pass, I mean, that's that's the big thing you lose without, without Kenzie Knuckles. She was such a, a defensive stalwart. And, and Maddie's been playing six rotations since she showed up, which is which is super impressive. But then, you know, when you look at, Nebraska, when it gets into these matches against a team like an Oregon or a team like Louisville, you know, there's so much talent both ways that it kind of comes down to, do you have that, that singular performer who's just able to, to get kills when it's, when it's hard. And and I think Nebraska has against the very, very top of the sport, which it is part of, you know, occasionally over the past couple of years, it's, it's lacked that a little bit. So you look at what Maddie does defensively in the back row and also her role up front there as kind of your go-to person. If she has a great remainder of the tournament, I think that gives Nebraska its best chance to continue advancing. Vogue's college football championship weekend some time. I don't know when, but uh, it, it will be fun to see Nebraska back on this stage on a Saturday and people of a certain age, either Elijah is a little grade school or junior high kid can remember that 10 years ago, we're wondering how things are going to go against uh, Wisconsin as Nebraska's trying to get to a, a BCS bowl, bowl game or a new year's day six. You had a run there uh, three of four uh, to, to get to the conference title game. And you were just right there against Oklahoma and, in Texas before you, you moved neighborhoods and now you got everybody else. It feels like in the West that's made a trip, right? In the West is not long for this world, but you know, it's, it's Minnesota and, and Illinois and Nebraska that haven't gotten to the party. Here comes Purdue. A- any shot with Purdue and Michigan making this interesting tonight? I, I think so. I mean, you know, Michigan with without Blake Corum still beat still beat Ohio State, so you can feel pretty good about that. But just how Michigan tends to play, like you can find yourself in a close game, and we've seen some impressive defensive performances from from Purdue. Still thinking back to what they did against Minnesota and Minneapolis was was a big one, and obviously they can move the ball and score. On, on a lot of teams. So I do think Purdue has a chance, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Michigan's a favorite for a reason. Vogues, your reaction to USC getting their first taste of Big Ten football last night against the Utes. The Utes just, 
gave them everything they could hand along the lines of scrimmage. That's I, I hadn't thought of that yet, but that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, that's good. You know, USC had no disrespect to what they've been able to do, but they've walked a fine line kind of all season long. And where they were at going into they got, that game was probably the ideal version of that season. Uh, that said, Utah has certainly in the past couple of years uh, been the, the the team that brings reality. Um, and, and boy, did they, you know, when you think about falling down 17 to three, tying that up before halftime and then winning by 23 points, like Utah's Utah's just kind of amazing. And I know people thought they were going to be amazing coming in and you lose that first game to Florida and then drop two more along the way. It kind of becomes like, oh, this is a, a season lost. Well, they they kind of took it back by by doing what a lot of people expected them to do, and, and win the Pac-12 and breathe life into Ohio State's bid for the playoff. I guess we'll see what else happens. Yeah, that's that. where I was going to go, Brandon. Is Ohio State in, or is it still wait and see for them, depending on what happens today? I I mean, I would think I would think they are probably in. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with TCU, K-State. Uh, if if TCU were to, speaking of teams, you know, kind of walking a fine line, there, there's another one. Been in a lot of close games. If they were to drop a close one to K-State, I could see the, the Horned Frogs still getting in. Um, it becomes tough. I don't, I don't think that's the case for USC. Um, it's just you're not undefeated. And I think that's the difference between the Trojans and the Horned Frogs when you get right down to it. I'm calling my shot now. If Bama gets into the college football playoff, they're winning it all. I'm calling it right now on Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. If Alabama gets into the college football playoff, they're going to win it all. Just saying. If if Bama gets in, and I know you could still have chaos, and, you know, K-State should be, should, should, should. They were all over TCU the first time they danced in Manhattan. So that's not going to be a total shock, but TCU's had the flair for the dramatic this year. But there's no way a two-loss team should should jump. Uh, the way the, the season has finished for, for Tennessee, right, that's one of Bama's losses. I mean, they're, they're also a couple of plays away from being 8-4 and four and Saban hiding out of the lake house this year. I mean – uh, they're they're good, but they're not vintage. Uh, and listen, I know Ohio State's got really one win. They have their flaws, but they're they're in. Uh, they're in with the USC loss. At least they should be. There's no way. I mean, I you're gonna have Kevin Warren like make a beeline down to Atlanta for a steel cage challenge with uh, <laughs> with, with the SEC commissioner if if that happens it'd be kind of funny but not really i mean think about ohio state i mean they already ripped a, a spot from tcu back in 2014 they jumped them because <laughs> they dropped a nuke on uh, on wisconsin i think so uh the way it looks right now is, is you're gonna have uh two big 10 teams in the college football playoff and that's uh, that's nice extra uh a holiday bonus so to speak here for the conference So we'll see where it goes. What do you think here? I mean, Vogue's with who's I guess most in danger if they're upset. I mean, USC, yeah, they're they're out. But with the remaining uh, uh, matchups, uh, if if Michigan gets beat, do you think they're safe? I think they are. 
Yeah, I I think so because if, if Michigan loses, then you're, you know, assume you go, TCU you go to four, win probably. Yeah, and you know you can't include Ohio State and not have Michigan. I don't think because of the head-to-head result <laughs> just a week ago. So I I think really TCU is kind of the only like wild card in my mind. Like even if Georgia lost, I think. I think Georgia is is safe, um, and that perhaps that's obvious as an undefeated number one team. Um, becomes interesting with LSU then, though. If if Georgia were to were to go down, it becomes you know, they have three losses the SC- though, don't they? I know. Do you keep the SEC champion out? Um, it gets <laughs> it gets pretty crazy. Vogue, so we get you yeah. out of here. USA Netherlands coming up 9 a.m. here Central Time. Are you showing the little guy the beautiful game, showing him the the the, the complexities of of the World Cup in soccer? That's that's the plan. I'll I'll sit him down and tell him that you know the Dutch invented total football. It was revolutionary, beautiful style. They don't play that anymore. They're actually <laughs> really really boring right now, and the U.S. is going to have to make the most of like the three chances it it might get, but. Hey, it's it's the knockout stages, whatever it takes. Bogues has got his uh, American flag bandana ready to go, and uh, he'll throw it on and watch uh, watch a little World Cup. Elijah will be popping a tall boy here in about 29 minutes. And Vodka seconds. Red Bull, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to <laughs> stay awake. It's blackout Saturday. Bogues, you have a good weekend and enjoy your, your soccer and football today, bud. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks. There he is. Brandon Vogel with us from Hale Varsity, uh, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Reminder for Nebraska fans, your chance to subscribe to Hale Varsity this holiday season. HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. And there is a uh, part where you can key in a code. That code is GBR. And you save $10.00. You save 10 bucks on your subscription. That's the print. That's the digital. That's uh, all the great uh, Husker coverage you want with Brandon Vogel, Aaron Sorensen, uh, Brady Altman's, of course, Jacob Padilla. Uh, it's just uh, Mike Babcock is the best there is. So uh, think about that for yourself. It's okay to get yourself a gift or that Husker fan. Quick time out. The Iron Horse joins us. Gary Sharp on the way. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by, the, uh, presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you. It's Weekend Edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. No passing out today, Elijah Herbal, as you watch the U.S. and the Netherlands. We'll see how the result goes. We uh, will uh, put an over-under on if uh, Elijah needs to make a phone call or it's Uber, a uh, phone call to get picked up by uh, some of his radio brethren. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, how are you, man? 
Good, good. I'm ready for uh, Captain America. He's in the starting lineup. Let's go, USA. Let's go, Elijah. Where's Gio Reyna? Where's Gio Reyna? That's the big question. I don't want to see him in the 85th minute again. That's a great question. People are turning in, tuning in to hear football talk. We're talking about football. Uh, I wondered that as well. I wondered why he did not get inserted as a sub against Wales. I am convinced Dortmund has uh, paid Burhalter some money under the table to keep him off the field and keep him healthy during the World Cup. He's got a habit of picking up injuries when he's playing for the USA. I vehemently disagree because I don't think soccer has anything under the table. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bold take. I encourage anyone to go watch the Netflix documentary on FIFA. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make this about American football. Uh, switching back to my comfort zone. Uh, Sharpie, you're, you're locked in. You're close with uh, the, the high school uh, scene and uh, all the prep talent around Lincoln and Omaha. Uh, your thought here on, on Matt Rule and, and him and his staff yesterday uh, storming the, the different programs around Lincoln and Omaha. Well, I, I tweeted it out. I, I talked to coaches that were in Lincoln that met with Matt Rule, and then I talked to coaches that were in Omaha that got to meet his assistants. To a man, all of them said that, first of all, it was refreshing to hear people that are not from here to show how excited they are about Nebraska football that they wanted to be there. One of the rules assistants told a coach in Omaha, he said, we were really hoping that Matt would take the Nebraska job. So it's kind of leading me to believe that the, the guys that are already on the staff, that was kind of predetermined. That rule said, hey, I'm going to get a job, and when I get that job, you got to go. we gotta, we got to go quickly. Do you, are you in? And they all said yes. Um, Ed Foley, uh, it goes over really well, a very happy guy. Um, a, a staff that likes to talk football. And I think another thing that is important is, and, and this was something that was said to me after they met with Matt Rule, is you've got pros, guys you can tell that have recently been around professional football and dealt with older players because there's not a lot of Mickey Mouse stuff. There's not a lot of wasted words in conversation. They kind of get right to it. Um, so I think the, the initial impression was pretty good. Um, you know, they're, they're, they reached out throughout the entire state and they said, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to check in on the 23s. We're going to get to the 24s and the 25s. And then they reached out to other schools like Lincoln High, who, who you know, they may flip a wide receiver. But they, went, they reached out to schools that don't necessarily have prospects that are headed to Nebraska. But they said, hey, we just want you to know we're here. Um, we're going to be getting in touch with you, but we're going to focus on finishing up 23. So I, I think the first day impression was really, really good. I will tell you something that will resonate big time is that Matt Rule's first stop was Lincoln High. You know, that's the closest high school to the university. And it's not a high school that's produced a ton of football talent, but it's a good school. I mean, it's a legendary school. And for Matt Rule to stop there first, I think says a lot. And I think yesterday was a, a good day. And, of course, you know, people will decide if it was a really good day if they were able to keep Malachi Coleman in the fold. Now, Sharpie, what's your take on the fact that, that Lincoln High has said that this is the first football coach we've seen from Nebraska walk through our doors since 2011? It's 11 years. And you, yeah. can, you can talk about the fact that Lincoln High hasn't had a lot of D1 talent through the past 11 years, but they have had a few. They've had guys like Cedric Case. I mean, he's been a phenomenal quarterback at the high school level, and you'd think Nebraska would at least go do their due diligence. So what's your reaction to the fact First time in 11 years a head football coach at Nebraska has walked through the doors of Lincoln High. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. When Avante Dickerson was playing at Westside, that was kind of the thing that was said as well. Man, it's been a long time since we've seen a Nebraska coach here. 
So I'm not really surprised. You know, I mean, Nebraska coaches can't make it everywhere in person. I really think, you know, in the last year, um, you know, Nebraska made a concerted effort from Scott Frost off to Mickey Joseph of getting into the high schools, like physically, because the, the schools will come to you. They'll come to Lincoln. They'll come to your team camps. They'll come to your games. But I think they've done a better job of getting a body in the hallway. And I think that's important. And, you know, I, I think as we kind of figure out Matt Rule and you hear the Texas high school coaches talk about their relationship, you're going to see these coaches locally a lot. You know, they're going to they're gonna be at games. They're going to be in hallways. And the head coach, I think, is really, really comfortable in going to strange places to sit down and talk football. So I, I think yesterday was a good day. It was a good start. I think, it was a, I think that's the way you want to start when you're, when you're essentially everybody is brand new. You don't know them. They don't know us. And they reached out. And you know what? I think I've also seen this. This is from Matt Rule the other day in his press conference. Instead of waiting for the fans to embrace you, which some coaches will do when they go to foreign uh, places where they don't have a connection to, Matt Rule is reaching out to us. And I think that's an important step for him to start to lay the groundwork before we can ever start judging him on the kind of football that they play on the field. Gary Sharp is with his weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. And Sharpie, uh, let's go back to the, the living room visits. And uh, you're right on with uh, Lincoln High, uh, kind of being the first stop with Matt Rule, but then an in-home with Malachi Coleman. You know, if, if not Lincoln, then, then where? What's your take on where Malachi could end up if he doesn't kind of recommit to Nebraska? Well, I think here, let me, let me first say this about Malachi. And I've been kind of hard on him because I think I want more out of him. I think there is more out of him. Um, you know, I was very disappointed that he publicly decommitted before he met with Matt Rule, knowing that he was going to meet with Matt Rule. Come on, man. Don't do that. I know what you're looking for. You're looking for attention. But you know what? Nebraska has a plan, and this staff has players that look like you that are long, lean, and have great speed that they've developed. So you're a perfect fit. But I do understand Malachi was close to Mickey Joseph. I mean, there was no doubt. He committed to Mickey Joseph before he committed to Nebraska. And a guy that is a mentor in his life was in jail the other day. And so he just needs to be settled. And I, I think that was probably the tone of the conversation. Matt Rule, you know, saying, hey, this is what we can, we can do for you. This is what you can do for us. This is a, you know, we want to do this is, hey, things are going to be okay here. You know, Mickey Joseph may not be on our staff, but things are going to be fine. And I think that's something that Malachi needs and wants to hear. But if it's not Nebraska, and I do believe that he will, he will recommit to Nebraska, you know, Oklahoma State and Miami stopped by yesterday. We're going to find out. He's now a free agent, technically. You know, those non-committable offers that were out there that people canceled his visit because they were like, he's going to Nebraska, don't waste our time. Well, we'll, we'll see if those are true or not. But I do believe that he'll stay at Nebraska at the end of the day, but it won't be, like, super quick. Gary Sharp's with us here on a Saturday morning edition. Uh, Schmitty, go for it. I was just going to go from the uh, recruitable player to recruiting the locker room, Sharpie, and reaction about Ernest Hausman. Well, if you look at the players that are in the portal um, outside of, of, of gold yesterday, and let's go to Ernest Hausman. They are players that don't have a position coach. Now, Ernest Hausman will fall under that category because I have Wandale Robinson and a little bit of Casey Rogers. But when they left Nebraska, I went, oh, no. 
The other guys, you're like, okay, it's not working out here. You probably should have never been here. Go to a place where you're going to get to play. But when I, you know, we see Ernest Hausman go through the roller coaster of a raw freshman and really start to take off in the last month, we're thinking big things. But there's a couple of things that came to mind right away, guys. Who's talking to him? You know, where is he getting this from? I know he's confused. He's a young kid. He had a great relationship with Barrett Rood. And now Barrett Rood's not going to be there. And there's all this kind of unknown. So I, 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 I caution everybody that it's going to be chaotic over the next 45 days or so when the portal opens on December 5th. And then once it opens again after spring football, you just got to be really, really patient because you can put your name in and then you can come back out. And I think in this case, when Nebraska gets their position coach, their number one person to recruit is Ernest Hausman. I don't think he's gone from Nebraska because I think he just wants some stability and to know what the future is. Um, but you know what? I want the best for players. And they have this opportunity to go see what they're worth. And I want them to be happy wherever they're going to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we have to, with Ernest, just wait until Nebraska gets their position coach and then maybe they move forward on him. But that really caught all of us off guard. I, I can tell you to a man of people that I know that are, that are inside of that program, that are still inside of that program, they were shocked that Ernest Hausman put his name into the portal. But they, just like me, said, hey, preach a little patience. Let's see how this plays out. Sure, but let's get to, uh, to position coaches and, and vacancies. But, but first... I do want to bring up a comment that we have in here from uh, from Brennan on our stream chat, and uh, that's about Ed Foley. He's wondering whether Ed Foley is related to noted motivational speaker uh, Matt Foley of, uh, of, of of Van in the River, Van Down hey, by the River fame. Hey, so so people saw he tweeted out the picture. He went to Runza, so he's won a lot of fans. One coach I talked to yesterday said he's just a happy football guy. He said he's, you know, he's kind of a, you know, he walks in, he's got a big smile on his face. Uh, he looks like a football coach. Uh, he just, he just sat there and in front of him and he said, made us talk football. And he said, he's just one big happy guy. Um, so I don't know about the motivational stuff, but he's a guy that I think people, you know, you first look and you go, is that Mike Cavanaugh's brother? But then I think as people are going to get to know him, you're going to see. And I think with a lot of the staff guys, because I, I think Nebraska hired a football dork. And, and, and I, I don't say dork as a mean term. Matt Rule is a football dork. He loves football. He likes talking football. I think we're going to find that out with the staff. They just like the game of football. Not a lot of Mickey Mouse stuff. I think they just want to talk football. They want to coach football. They want to be around football. Um, and Ed Foley is just a happy football guy. Uh, Ed's much safer in the living room than <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that than Matt Foley. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You go anywhere but Nebraska, you'll be eating government cheese in a van down by the river. <laughs> what do you want to do with your life? Lottie freaking die. This just turned on us. I'm sorry. Well, Gary, Gary <laughs> let's get back to the point then, and let's talk D.C., that vacancy. It sounds like where we're moving in recent days is away from Phil Snow. Doesn't sound like that. that's happening, and he doesn't really fit the mold of what Matt Rule claims he wants anyway in a, a young and hungry, maybe a little inexperienced staff. So what's your lean with where Nebraska's going defensive coordinator? Is this something you think that we're going to know soon, or is this something that might take a little bit? Well, I think I, I'm starting to believe, guys. Phil Snow, by the way, I, I'm, I'm hearing nothing. Jeff Collins a little bit, former Georgia Tech coach. Glenn Schumann, who is on Georgia's staff, no real connection to Rule, except for Rule has a former defensive back coach that is the DB coach at Georgia. Um, his name is coming up. But I'm, all, I'm wondering if 
the next round of assistants to fill out the staff are either coaching this weekend or they're still with the Carolina Panthers and they want to wait until they're, they're um, officially eliminated from the playoff race before they move. So I, I think that we'll, we're getting closer to filling out the staff. But you look at the staff positions that are left, boy, aren't those some of the most important ones on this, on this team for this roster, what it looks like right now in 23? I mean, we're talking offensive line, we're talking defensive line, we're talking defensive coordinator, and in particular we're talking wide receiver where, you know, you, you, you may need to do a lot of portaling with the wide receiver position when it's all said and done. Sharpie, is, is Schumann uh, a possibility? I know he's a name, and I look at his situation at Georgia, eight hundred grand a year, co-coordinator down there with Muschamp. Uh, is he, do you think he's gettable, I guess is my question. Um, I think if he wants to be a defensive coordinator, um, he would up his salary, of course. Sure. I, I think there's that possibility. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at if you look at Matt Rule's staff, uh, they also have been, been, they've, a lot of them have coached different positions. They've been director of ops. They've been recruiting coordinators. So they have a very diverse background. But I think if he's a guy that they want to pursue, I think they would have a chance. Um, you know, when would you get him? You know, that would be the, the thing because Georgia looks like they could play until the middle of January. But there's a lot of different names out there. It's really, it's really gone kind of quiet after the, the dabble with Elijah Robinson at Texas A&M who appears – that he's going to stay and get a little bump and maybe a different title under uh, Jimbo Fisher. Sharpie, last thought here before we get you out, and we're, we're up against uh, the clock here, so about 30 seconds. USA versus Netherlands, are you watching? Do you have a prediction? Uh, what, what are you thinking? Does the U.S. finally make it past the round of 16 after so many World Cups of, uh, of getting stuck in this round? Well, it would be nice because wouldn't that be something? What would this country be like if U.S. was really, really good at soccer? Um, I don't like the Dutch today. I'm not going to eat uh, the Dutch potato chips, anything like that. Uh, I think we go to penalties, mm, but I don't think we advance today. That's bold. Gary Sharp with this uh, weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for the, uh, the update and the insight as always, bud. Hey, thanks, boys. All right, there he is, Gary Sharp with us. Hale Varsity presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go currency and a reminder this holiday season and just in general, be sure to uh, get buckled up. And uh, it's real easy uh, using your seatbelt, saves lives, prevents injuries, uh, only if properly worn. Buckle up a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Schmitty, before Creighton. we get out of here, before we get out of here, I'm calling my shot. USA one nothing over the Dutch with a 63rd minute goal from Christian Pulisic. That is oddly and beautifully specific from one uh, Elijah Herbal. Uh, I I think uh, my upset uh, is, is going to be LSU today. Wow! I love it. I love it. We're gonna we're gonna burn the tape. Uh, <laughs> we're both gonna way be off, <laughs> way off. Plenty of college football on the way with ESPN. Lincoln, we'll be back at you Monday at four with Hale Varsity. Uh, presented by Currency.